Um, let's go. Prayer, prayer, and difficult times. Um, I'll tell you why this is on my, my mind, is that we've had a, a few in our community, and uh, I won't try to go through and, and say names, just no reason to put anybody on the spot um, if they don't want to be put on the spot. But we've got a few in our community that have gone through some real challenges over the past few months. Uh, sickness, you know, illness type of things, other challenges that they've been up against. Um, and it's been quite, quite hard for, uh, for some of us. And um, I even thought more so that uh, most of you didn't know it kind of came together at the last minute, but Maurice King is a guy who used to live in Columbus. He was in town for a Wednesday through Friday prayer event, and he ended up using our facility for that. And his real passion is to help people that are addicted to uh, drugs, to help them get beyond that. That's his goal. And um, one of the people that was here was talking to me, and they were discussing about how they felt like they were sort of like Job. And so for any of you who know who Job is, Job had a pretty difficult life, um, thanks to Satan. And um, and they said they kind of felt like that. So all of this was kind of swirling around in my mind and made me think, when I talk about prayer today, I want to talk about prayer and difficult times and how does that all melt together. Um, I think about myself three weeks ago, uh, Four or five weeks ago, uh, some of you heard me say I had a really terrible week at work um, where the stress just went through the ceiling for me, and I was literally sitting at my desk at 2 a.m. in the morning while a test was running that I wasn't sure was going to pass, and I was just sitting there just like, God, like, I I don't know what to do here, you know, help me, help me, help me kind of a thing. It was just this, you know, and it's about something material. It's not, you know, it wasn't a health issue. It wasn't something like that, but I allowed the stress of my job to just, like, take me over the top that day. And um, I'm almost a little embarrassed about it, but yet I also recognize that I'm not alone, that a lot of us struggle with that. Um, So what causes difficult times to happen in our lives? Any Ren and Stippy fans here? Fee's back, of course, right? Just saying. You know, I don't know. Is this Ren? Apparently so. <laughs> Don't stop. Keep going. Okay. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I, I was looking for a nice photo to show difficult times in our life, and this was like the first one that came up on Google search, which I just loved. Um, so if you analyze this photo a little bit, we don't want to go too far into it, but you've got the world um, making life tough for him. Somebody has stabbed him in the back. Someone else has put kick me on him, and um, and no matter how much of a slug he is, uh, you know that's not the way things ought to operate. Um, but then he's holding a pink slip, and if you don't know what that means, that means he's probably just lost his job. So he's holding this pink slip, and if we're really honest with ourselves, we recognize that that could be because the world and Satan are treating him poorly. That could be because. He wasn't being the person at work that he ought to be. And so this difficulty of when life gets, you know, when we're having these struggles, how much of it is us and how much of it is 
the evil world that we live in. And I know that sounds a little funny to say it that way, um, but I think it's fair. When you say what causes difficult times to happen in our lives, I, I want today to think about this in two broad categories. There are things that are out of our control. There are other people. There is, I'm just going to say, general evilness. Now, that word is a funny word. When I think of evil, I will tell you every time my brain goes supernatural. Okay, it, that, that, For some reason, that's like when someone says something is evil, I automatically think of somebody being possessed by an evil spirit of some sort or something like that. If you look up the definition, in fact, I think I have it on the next slide, um, Evil really is just being morally bad. There's a whole bunch of them here. It, it, the quality of being morally bad. That's what evil is really about, is exhibiting some characteristic that has very poor um, morality uh, associated with it. So, um, so if we go back here, we've got things that are out of our control. We've got other people. We've got evilness and sin in the world around us. But if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we also realize that sometimes these things that happen in our lives are because of actions that we make. Um, and this is a challenge. And in fact, sometimes we're blinded to this. The evil that I was working through or the stress that I was working through a few, few weeks ago, I, I'm kidding myself to try to think that that was out of my control. Maybe little tidbits were. Maybe there was some of it that was, but there was some of it that was within my control. Certainly my response was well within my control. The fact that I was sitting there at 2 a.m., shouldn't have been there at 2 a.m. anyways, FYI. That, that's in itself silliness. Um, but the fact that I was letting it burden me at such a level um, was something that was well within my control, something that is very biblically sound or grounded that we should not be worrying at that level. Um, and I, I really let it get carried away. <clears throat> so when this person this week said to me they feel like Job, they feel a little bit like Job. If someone says to you, I feel a little bit like Job, somebody tell me what you think they're talking about. What, what do they mean by that? Yes. Okay. Being pushed to the limit. Kind of a thing. Okay. Someone else. I saw a hand maybe. Did I or did I? Yes, Charmin. Hello, Charmin. They're suffering. They're suffering. Right, exactly. Suffering. Right. Anyone else? Yes. They're suffering and they feel like it's not their fault. That is a good one. Yeah, or something else. Yeah, yeah. They're suffering and it's not their fault. Yeah, I think that w- that's what it got. And, and I will tell you that when I was talking to this person this week about that, I think there was a little bit of a vibe there. You know, they, they were feeling, um, and they weren't trying to, uh, th- th- there wasn't anything malicious or anything like that in this particular instance. They truly were feeling like the world was against them. You know, that's that was kind of what they were talking about. And, and we get that vibe a lot um, from this story. So I thought I think it's worth today um, digging into the book of Job just a little bit 
and uh, and really think about the interaction Job had with God in difficulties, and then how that should interact our prayer life. So, um, let's do a summary of Job's life. That's not Job's life, as in Steve Jobs. No connection between Job's and Job and Jobs. Um, at least I don't think. Um, although there have been suggestions of such things. So, in chapter one. By the way, Job is a really interesting book. If you want to learn about kind of the basic story of Job, it's kind of neat because there are 40, I think we'll find it here, I think it's 42 chapters in Job. But the fun part of it, the storytelling part of Job is chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 42. And then the rest of it is this crazy interaction between Job and three of his friends. And, uh, or if you want to call them that, they weren't always the best friends. Do what? Yeah, it, yeah, it was, just back and forth kind of a thing, right. And um, and it's the kind of thing that's hard for me to read because I, I struggle with reading anyways, and it's not as enjoyable of a story. But chapter 1. So the first thing to realize is that Job is a whole lot less about Job than it is about God and Satan. Okay, so it's much more a story about God and Satan. So in the chapter 1, Satan and God are interacting. God says... Basically, Satan's playing this kind of devil went down the Georgia trick with uh, God about interacting and and, and uh, afflicting his children and everything. And God says to uh, Satan, you're no match for Job. You can do whatever you want to Job, and he will be just fine. Just don't touch him. Do whatever you want, except touching him. And Satan says, I'll take that on. That sounds like a good time. And the world around Job, the summary of it is, gets destroyed. He had, I think, ten children. They were all killed. He was quite a wealthy person, um, but he was a good wealthy person. He handled his wealth very, very well, and that wealth was all taken away from him. And it was a crazy, crazy difficult time. And here is Job's response. Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave... And the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. How do you pray to God in difficult times? It's crazy, really. I mean, I would challenge that most of us would struggle to say these words and mean them. We might say them because we know it's the right thing to do. But to deep down inside, and you get this vibe from this book that that's where Job was at. Deep down inside, this was the way he interacted with God. I want you to know that night when I was sitting there at 2 a.m. saying, help me, help me, help me. It was pretty hard for me to say, may the name of the Lord be praised and just be like, whatever happens is great because I trust God. No, that's just not where I was at. You know, I'm just being, and, and I'm talking, I mean, what I'm talking about is a kind of a pseudo meaningless thing compared to some of the stuff that some of you have been going through. Okay, so let's move on to chapter two. Chapter two, the devil went down to Georgia trick continues on. So you got Satan and God interacting again. And Satan says, all right, that didn't work. How about you let me touch him? How about you let me actually afflict Job himself? When they go after him, God says, all right, I'll let you impact Job on one condition. You can't kill him. I'm not going to let you kill Job, 
Okay. Now, let's just push time out here. When we talk about our interaction with God and our life with God, life and death is at the core of what we talk about. It's, it's the root. Because if we're Christians, what does that mean in terms of life and death? Any thoughts? If you're a Christian, what does that mean in terms of life and death? The spirit continues to live forever, okay? Anybody else? Life and death. What about on the death side? What does death really mean? Spiritually, what does death mean? Uh, Heard a couple of them. Separation from God, yeah. And, you know, it took me a long time to to mature to that level to, to grasp that. But this idea that death is really a separation from God makes this statement so much more important and so so much more realistic to us to realize that this idea that God says, okay, Satan, I'll even let you afflict Job, but you can't kill him. Job is mine. And when it comes to life and death, God is in charge. You have to spare his life, and that is not going to be something that he's going to negotiate on, okay? And so this is verse 7 from chapter 2. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. And this sitting among the ashes is helping to help us to grasp the kind of despair that he was in. He's lost everything, children taken away. Um, his wealth taken away, and now even his health is being impacted. Job's wife says, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And think about this again. This whole idea of life and death, the whole key here is that God is saying, Satan, you can't take Job to death. And his wife is saying, Curse God and die. It's very, very symbolic of the future and what's happening job replies he says you are talking like a foolish woman shall we accept good from god and not trouble and he marched on and continued this pursuit of god and pursuit of living a godly life through all of this the timing of this story is um it's really quite debatable um there are some people that think this story could have even predated Moses. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to know for sure the way the story was carried out through the years. So this story could be as early as 2,500 years ago. It could be as late as, uh, you know, maybe three or 4,000 years ago. Okay. All right. We're good on time. Chapter 42. We've just jumped the middle 39 chapters, and we're coming to the end of the story. Chapter 42, Job says to God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And God does this really crazy thing to show you how amazing Job was. 
the first thing that God does in, in, in chapter 42 is these three friends that were interacting with Job and weren't necessarily particularly helpful to him, God sends them to Job and has Job pray for them. So God ends up using Job as a tool to help restore those three friends. And then the story finalizes by God restores Job's life to a more beautiful state than it was before. He was able to have more children, and he was able to live out the rest of his life. This was, um, the way this is recorded, I think he lived like 250 years or something like that. But the last maybe half of his life was this completely beautiful, redeemed, uh, not redeemed, that's not the right word, this um, restored to beauty uh, story of Job's life, uh, giving us this great picture of God never letting us go. Okay. So I want you guys to do a little comparing and contrasting here. Just think about this. So think about how Job handled his difficulties and how you handle your own difficulties. This is the time you guys can talk, by the way. Think about how you see Job handling these difficulties And then think about how you handle your own difficulties or maybe how you see others around you. It's a lot easier for us sometimes to think about what we see rather than trying to look at ourselves. And give me your thoughts. It may be rather obvious, but I'll give you a second to think about that. Feel free to speak up. Always faithful. Yeah. He was the Energizer Bunny. Yes. Yeah, he had some struggles in the middle. Yeah. He certainly he certainly was human. In fact, keep that because I want to come back to that in a minute, so. When I talk about the first two chapters, so if you just try to, like I said, just break this story down into the first two and the last chapter, um, it's really, really amazing that he was even able to last through that original, where the whole story was set up. And at that point, he is still tight with God at that point. Um, I think, if 
we're honest, most of us would have a hard time getting there, very, very hard time getting there. You know, like I said, I had a, a, a part at work. It's just a piece of metal that wasn't working the way I wanted it to, and that was driving me down a path that was really challenging me. Um, you know, now, you start to put my life on the line, and particularly you put my wife's line or my kid's life, my wife's life or my kid's wife on the line or my parent's wife on the line. Um, am I saying that right? Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? All right, let's just, let's just go on. All right, all right. You start putting me into that kind of a desperate situation, and, uh, and, and I, I, I struggle to imagine I'm going to be that strong. I really struggle with it. Um, That is a that's an interesting point how how the the friends can pull you down um, or can sometimes you're able to stand back and look at them and be able to kind of rise above that and uh, you know it's one of the reasons why I would always encourage someone if they're they're in a difficult situation um, some sort of struggle in their life that if they if they're sur- surrounding themselves with friends in that same struggle, that sometimes they may have to separate themselves because they may not be strong enough to rise above. Ultimately, at the end, as I s- said in the last chapter, Job was used to help pull his friends out at the end, and so Job was quite quite strong on that front. Um, maybe not always, but you know, in the end, he was able to pull through with that. But I don't think we're always that way. And so there are times when we're strong enough to do that and times when we're not strong enough to do that, and we need to relocate ourselves to a different scenario. Yes? All right, let's also take a look now, and this will go back, Teague, to what you were saying. So let's compare and contrast Job's life and Jesus' life. First of all, I want to point out, there are some similarities. What would you say? There there are some similarities. And and let, let me tell you, the similarity I want to say is that when I see the two, in the end, there's a triumphant end to it. So there is a similarity. In the end, there was a beautiful thing. And in the end, God never let Job completely go away. Right? Also, in the beginning, God had an enormous amount of trust in Job. By, you know, for God to say, Satan, I'll let you go as far as you want and just don't kill him. Um, I don't really want God to play that game with me. You know? So so there's there are some similarities. So what are your thoughts in the comparing and contrasting of Job's life? In your example, I was thinking about Jesus out in the de- Jesus uh, being tempted for forty days. Um, 
wherein Job wasn't perfect, right? So, so there, are, there are some areas there that are very clearly Job was not Jesus. Um, what else, guys? Compare and contrast Job's life and Jesus' life. Any thoughts? Yes? You, you, can, you can go twice. That's an interesting twist I hadn't thought of. Yeah. You, you, so you, you could think that Jesus is still, because we think of Job, based on the story, Job's life, at least on earth, has come to an end. Um, and so we won't hear more about Job maybe until later on. Um, but Jesus, uh, it's, still, it's still ongoing. Interesting. Okay. All right. Charmin. Sorry, I didn't see your hand. They both felt the feeling of what? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Jesus felt pretty lonely at certain times, and I think Job did too. Even though they both knew they had God, right? Yeah. A very strange phrase. I may die not completely understanding that but uh very 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 interesting oh Uh, Angie, yes. Well, I, I've heard I've heard many many different versions of what that is, and so I think it's a very difficult one. Sorry, Shirley, go ahead.
Okay, so we're going to do a little exercise here um, to wrap things up today. Okay. So what causes these difficult times in our lives? What, what brings them out? And as I told you, I think we've got these things that are out of our control that we have to work through. These are much more, for the most part, in line with what Job experienced and what Jesus experienced. We've got these other things, though, that are oftentimes well within our control. And I will tell you on this second item, sometimes you will convince yourselves. Oh, I've got pins. Sorry. Hand out pins. Pass those around. Here, I'm just going to put these down here and you guys pass them while I talk. Um, We have these times in our lives that we will convince ourselves that there are things going on that aren't within our control, but we're kind of kidding ourselves. And that is where it takes a lot of almost like standing outside of yourself and looking at yourself and being really honest with are you are these things within your control and are they not so what i would like you to do and um we'll take a couple minutes to do this we've got two cards here or two pieces of paper i want each of you to have and so by the way who all has two pieces of paper so far everybody pretty much anybody short of two pieces that's what i should say you might need more paper what about pens and pencils who's still needing pens and pencils we need some back there. Okay, there's a big box somewhere over here. That ha- Thank you very much. So, what I want you to do is I want you to take, um, we're going to take about five minutes here, and I want you on card number one to write down the things that are out of your control. What are the things that are persecuting you? What are these difficulties that you're working through in your life that are out of of your control and how are you going to be able to hand those prayerfully off to God and work with God through prayer on that okay so list out your pains and your burdens um, and in just a second we're going to put those on the cross the second card and this is the one that I think is much more difficult for us list out these issues that are within your control what are the things you're doing in your life that are bringing burdens onto you And if you're really honest with yourself, you recognize that it is yourself. You're bringing this on yourself. And it's the kind of thing that not only do you need to pray to God about it, um, but it's more than looking for help to make a change. It actually is going to have to be involved you. And so you can go ahead and start thinking about this in writing, but I want to tell you a quick story that... I found really interesting. So when I stopped in on Thursday night, we didn't have Bible study, and so Maurice King was here. And I was talking to Maurice. One of the interesting things that Maurice said during our discussion is that when he's trying to help someone get off of drugs, one of the first things he spends some time with them is focusing on this right here. Because oftentimes they struggle to recognize that there are actions they've got to take. You know, this is more than just asking God into your life. This is more than just confessing your sins. This is a situation where your life is being compromised and it's not being everything it can be for God. And it is going to require some action on your part. Now, that's not to say that God can't come in and also be a big player in this. It's not to say God can't come in and completely fix it without you doing that. Um, But in most cases, it's going to take some action. So card number two List out the issues that you think in your life are 
are are things that you need to work on. There are things that you hurdles you need to be gotten over. So I think I think you've got that. So take a few moments and do that. I'll tell you when in about four or five minutes. What I want you to do is come up here, and we're going to hang these things on the cross like that. You stick them on the cross, and then when the day's over, um, put them face down so no one can see them. When the day's over, we will uh, we will do the right thing, and that is recycle all of them, right? But they will be destroyed uh, when we get done in an environmentally sound way. Um, and uh, and those will disappear. And hopefully for some of you, this action of nailing these types of things to the cross or laying these things on the cross that you're struggling with, hopefully this physical action of doing that is going to help take you over the top uh, to really be able to pray through this with God, really lean on God the way we need to be. And also, in some cases, maybe today's the day you take some action to start moving the, beyond. After you nail that to the cross... We've got communion here. We have um, gluten-free uh, wafers and juice. Please come by, take a wafer, dip it into the juice, um, remembering Christ's death, the ultimate victory over death that we have. Um, and then you can go back and uh, take a few moments of uh, silence uh, to pray through that and to pray through the action you just went through. So, okay, thank you.
Um, I want to pray to go ahead and close out this time. You've got five minutes. If you've got kiddos upstairs, you've got five minutes you can kill until you go up and get them. We'll try to remind you in five minutes. Um, but guys, thanks for being here today. Thanks for sharing. Um, and uh, let's, uh, let's finish this out with some words to God. God, um, for starters, I'm just going to pause for a second and let each of us give to you our struggles and give that up to you and, uh, and let you uh, carry that burden for us so that we don't always have to carry that burden alone. So at this time, we give those up to you. And God, as we leave today, help us to be renewed and changed people. Help us to be people that are just living out what you want us to live out. That we are nothing more than your spirit living through us. Showing the world how beautiful, unbelievably beautiful life can be if we give it up to you. Help us to understand what being the last being first and the first being last is all about. Help us to get our priorities in line so that this week we care more about our coworkers than we do about the actual work. And God, uh, we're heading into a time of year um, when it can be uh, both the most wonderful time of the year and also one of the most difficult time of the year is through the holidays. And help us to be a community that's there for everybody. Um, help us to support each other. If we need that support, help us to support the world around us. Help us in the next few weeks that the coat drive will be a beautiful gift to you and that our Thanksgiving community meal will shine your light as brightly as possible as it can in this community. We love you and we praise you and we thank you and we give you this day. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Guys, have a great week. Thanks.